How do we optimise our state of mind so that we can bring our best to the long run in sport and in life? I'm Eloise Wellings, two-time Olympic athlete, and together with my mental skills coach, Rory Darkins, we are here to help you unlock your marathon state of mind. Hello, welcome to this episode of Marathon State of Mind. Alzi, it's a special episode today. Yeah. We are talking all things young athlete state of mind and how our young athletes can think about their mindset and the role of mental skills in developing both as athletes and as people and ultimately helping them to thrive in sport and in life. Yeah. Um, I want to kick off actually by reversing back a little bit and unpacking some of your story because you were a young athlete i mean was you know? <laughs> um and i want to know what it was like for you coming through as a young athlete obviously you know from what i know of your your journey running was always something that was important to you something that you enjoyed doing Tell us a bit about how you got into the sport and what your experience was like as a young athlete. Yeah, I got into the sport uh, when I was five years old. I started running um, on the bush trails near our home with my mum, uh, who was uh, also a runner. And she used to run with a group called Billy's Bushies up <laughs> on the trails near our home. And yeah, I went up with them one day and um I jogged out with them for as far as I could and then um you know when I couldn't keep up anymore I'd turn around and run home and it was usually only about a mile or 2k um but I'd just try and get a little bit further each time and then started a little athletics and yeah just tried every event that you know was possible to do um for my age group but um, fell in love with, you know, the longer the race, the, the better for me and just loved the feeling of running. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and so what kind of age were you when you sort of first thought, this is something I might want to do at the highest level? Uh, I was age 10. I remember watching the Barcelona Olympics and, yeah, just thinking I want to do that. And I'm going to do that. I remember saying to my mum and dad, I'm going to do that one day. And, um, yeah, I was, I was super ambitious as a kid, even before I had running, <clears throat> running goals. Um, I played soccer. I was really competitive in soccer. And, um, yeah, just always had this, I know, I was driven because I wanted to win, um, but, but, I was driven also, I think, because I wanted to get better mm. as well as a kid. Yeah. And as a young athlete, like at what point did you feel like it got serious for you? Like in the sense of, you know, it went from that just pure enjoyment. I love trying to get better. I love trying to win um, to like, wait, this is like a has all these challenges, you know, this is sort of a whole new world. Like, mm. Do you remember any times where you felt like, you'd bitten off more than you could chew um <clears throat> probably I mean when I was 13 I won my first state title and that's when it kind of got a lot more serious like I realized I could be you know I was getting better and I was showing a lot of promise and um yeah I, Sydney 
um, got the Olympics. So Sydney won the Olympic bid, and you know it was always in the back of my mind. Oh, I'll only be, I'll only be seventeen, sixteen, but I'll you know like there could be a chance that I could make it. And um, yeah, and then I ended up qualifying for the five thousand meters when I was sixteen years old, running fifteen eighteen for the five k. Um, and that was, you know, that was a surprise, but also not because I've been training really well, but I think it was a surprise to most other people because it was my first 5k on the track. And, um, but my coach and I knew that, you know, I was in, um, you know, really great shape and, um, yeah, that was really exciting. But three weeks later I had my first stress fracture. And then for 11 years, almost in a row, I had a stress fracture a year. Mm. And um, I was actually only saying today, I had, a, I had a stress fracture a year for 11 years um, and missed out on the next three Olympics due to stress fractures. And, um, you know, went to, you know, was, I seemed to be okay for every Commonwealth Games year, hmm. but every Olympic year would, you know, I'd I'd be injured, and then, um, yeah, and then I get I didn't I had ten years without stress fractures, <laughs> so between two thousand eleven and two thousand twenty one, and then I had uh, I had two after I had Sunny hmm. um, during COVID. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so just going back to you know that time when you you know you you made the olympic team but then it was taken away from you like what do you remember of those times when you're faced with like you know injury being a new thing like a new Mm. challenge that you probably hadn't had to face before what was that time of your life like yeah i remember just feeling really alone to be honest i remember feeling um like nobody really got it nobody really understood um and I was, you know, I was, I was devastated because I couldn't do what I loved. So I felt like I'd lost my identity and my value and my worth, like all of these things as a teenager that I kind of hinged my, my value and my worth on, you know, running, um, was taken away and it was, yeah, just a really lonely sort of dark, Mm. difficult time. Mm. And as you know, you mentioned, feeling like you've lost, you'd lost your identity and your sense of worth. Like, you know, certainly from the research I've looked at and, and trying to understand how young athletes and athletes, you know, in general can optimize their well-being and be protected, you know, against developing things like mental illness through, you know, the course of their career. One thing that stands out as so fundamental is whether we identify our worth and ourselves with our sport or activity Mm. or whether we have a sense of self and a sense of worth that goes beyond that Mm. and you know this I think is possibly the most common trap that I see um, you know with young athletes that I'm I'm fortunate enough to work with with lots of young athletes from various sports and that is such a common story that when you're so young and you're good at something it's natural to identify yourself with that. You know, you become Eloise the runner. You yeah. know, I certainly remember, you know, growing up, I 
thought of myself as Rory the cricketer yeah. <laughs> like and it and you don't at the time it's not like you're choosing this label for yourself like it just happens through that's how other people know you that's where you get your you know you get validation from doing well at, at something and it becomes part of your identity and so without knowing it you start layering on the sense of I'm a my sport yeah and when that's taken away from you you know through injury and in your experience or whether performances you know don't go as well that's when this is almost like this um it, it leaves this gap it leaves us mm. you know the injury you might have to your body is actually also an injury that you have you know metaphorically in your mind because or in your you know emotionally because you suddenly feel like who am i now that i can't do this the way that i was totally um what was that like for you that sense of like how did you navigate that challenge of identity yeah well i mean i found faith during that time and that was a huge that was a pivotal moment um in me realizing that my value and my worth went well beyond um running and results and outcomes of running and you know whether I could run at all I was still valuable and loved Mm. and um and worthy of you know uh worthy of like attention or worthy of you know just you know affection Mm. and uh, I think that that was that was probably the biggest thing. And then I think as a young person, when you're so involved in sport, especially when you're really you know you're good at it, you haven't had that many other life experiences to hinge, you know, to like find interest in, um, so that you know you've got other things to go on with. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Like. Um, now, when I get injured, obviously it's annoying, mm. frustrating as a professional athlete, but like, I can't, I can't sit around, mm. you know, I've got family and like, you just got to get on with life and you just, yeah. you, you play on. But when you're a young person and it is that, it is the sole thing that you do mostly in your life. Um, and I guess, you know, it can be almost a bit of a dangerous thing mm. at times, especially when you get a, an injury that um, is going to force you out of the sport for a decent amount of time. Mm. Yeah, uh, totally. And I think it's, you know, the question of how we, you know, how we help young athletes coming through to learn that actually they're not identified, you know, solely by who they are as an athlete or mm. what they do as an athlete. Um it's such important work because, you know, if you do realize and can really like embody that, that feeling of I'm not defined by how I go, I'm not defined by, I think you even put a a quote out on Instagram recently about, you know, no result defines you. And Mm. if you can really own that thought and, and believe that, then there's this freedom that, ironically enables you to perform better yeah (laughs) and enables you to actually express your best Mm -hmm. more freely and more often because you're on the start line and you're not thinking my whole sense of self is at stake Mm. (laughs) you're on the start line thinking bring it on yeah like this is exciting let's go yeah and i don't actually even think that 
young people especially would recognize that they're thinking oh my whole sense of self is at stake all all it is is just a feeling like there's a threat mm. and i don't like it mm. you know yeah. and if this doesn't work out it's going to be you know it's going to be heartbreaking or it's going to be the worst you know mm. like if it's it's this massive threat in this massive dark cloud until you know i can't be happy until i get this result or mm. i can't be i can't um you know enjoy myself or find joy until i get you know this result and um yeah i don't think it's actually like as um as sort of identifiable as as it probably would be in adults Oh, and even adults, trust me, it's yeah. like you're totally right that it shows up as a feeling of fear. Like mm. there's this fear response that is triggered and you're like, oh, I feel sick. I feel, you know, nervous. I don't want to go there. I mm. don't want to, I don't want to race. I don't want to. But then there's this other part of you that does want to. And then there's this tension between like, do I want to do this or do I not want to do this? And, mm. and it's just like your whole body is put into this the survival mode basically because it's perceived a threat Mm -hmm. and the threat without you realizing it is my sense of values on the line yeah (laughs) and like i say it doesn't have to be a conscious thought it it usually isn't it but you know underneath that is you know underneath that um that fear response is that sense of i've got so much to lose Mm. whereas when you sit back and go wait i'm not defined by my performance i'm a person not just an athlete yeah um i'm not competing for my self-worth then it helps you to then be able to intentionally go and compete with that sense of like i've got nothing to lose but i've got heaps to gain yeah it's so true and you know there's been races since i was 16 since i found faith since i realized my inherent you know like um, goodness and you know that I'm worthy of love and affection otherwise aside from running there's been still been times where I've slipped back into that um, that notion of um, or that habit I guess of thinking that this is a threat mm. and that I can pinpoint races throughout my career that I've gone that I've slipped back into that mindset and and thought oh no like if this doesn't work out you know Mm. this is it's like there's something there's a lot to lose here Mm. and um part of my identity you know and um and yeah i can pinpoint those races and honestly they are the least enjoyable races of my entire career Mm. and there was nothing wrong with my fitness nothing wrong with my fitness nothing wrong with the build-up i just slipped back into this mindset of like you know that moment that like takes your breath away of like oh no Mm. what if this doesn't work out you know and it's it's a like shaky place to be and yeah i guess that's why that's why we're so passionate about helping young people navigate this time Mm. and like navigate the mental skills and develop the mental skills um to be able to become aware of when you know when you do slip back into that mindset of like threat and feeling of threat and feeling of fear and um 
and you know potential loss of worth or value or identity and helping athlete young athletes especially yeah navigate their way through that and develop the minds mindset skills to yeah recognize those thoughts and turn it around mm. straight away yeah. and go no this is you know this is the direction that I'm that I'm training my mind to be now and mm. you can you can train those skills easily or well, not easily but you can train those skills in in training mm. And yeah, like we say, train your mind like you train your body. Yeah. And I think that's like, I want to reiterate that point because often we can think that like some people have just got it or they don't have it in terms of mental capacity and skills, Mm -hmm. you know, but you know, these skills are just as trainable as, as any physical skill is. And you make a good point too, that it's, it's not easy but it's um, but it can absolutely be done, and it's it's relatively simple. It just takes some work to really own it and embed it. And you know, um, when I look, you know, the people I've worked with, and I think of my own experience growing up, like the earlier you can learn these skills, the better. Yeah. Because it's not a case of okay, now I know the skill, now I'm good, <laughs> as you just alluded yeah. to, like you know you it's about learning them applying them refining them remembering them Mm -hmm. you know and continuing to to really um live them out and you know that's what as you say we're we're so passionate about helping people to do um okay so injury was a big challenge yeah growing up um and then linked to that's this idea of like i'm identified by what i do and Mm -hmm. how i go um, and how that can create a sense of there's so much to lose when you're in that mindset. Whereas on the flip side, if you're already, you know, comfortable in who you are and know your value, then you can be free to go out and just express what you've got on the day and, and be okay with whatever it is. And, you know, I want to be really clear that that's actually a performance enhancing strategy. Yeah. You know, it's not just like, oh, that will feel nice. Um, it's actually helped you to be your best and to do difficult things and to learn and grow and and be okay with pushing the boundaries because you know to become your best as an athlete you know we both know that you need to be really good friends with feelings of failure Mm. you know you actually need to be falling short like pushing up against the boundaries of what you're capable of so often yeah and so openly that you're frequently going to feel like you've failed (laughs) in inverted commas because if you're not doing that you're not going to be improving and growing in the way that you could Mm -hmm. and so you know part of that mindset is that it helps you to go yeah failure doesn't define me (laughs) you know I'm, i'm not i don't need to fear it because if i give it everything then whatever happens I can learn from. And yeah. if I can learn from that, then I'm better and that's moving me forward. And if we can find joy in the process of moving forward toward our potential, then that to me, that's when, you know, sport is really at its best and, you know, we're actually able to enjoy the challenge of trying to become who we could become yeah. in sport. That's right. And I mean, giving it, giving it everything um, in quotations doesn't mean 
striving and tensing and pushing and like thrashing Mm. (laughs) like there's this idea Mm. i think you know i grew up with that idea that like no pain no gain um and it's more of a state of mind Mm. it's it is such a state of mind in that like if my identity isn't linked to this i'm free to just like i'm free to give it my best Mm. and i'm free to like let it flow Mm. and um Of course, you have to work hard, but like striving and straining and doing all of those things in in training, like you definitely have to um, find your limits. But I think doing that on a consistent daily basis is not a good balance totally totally and i'm pleased you mentioned that because i just don't want to get i just don't want because i know there'll be young people listening so i don't want them to get confused with what we're saying in in the um in this context yeah totally and when i'm saying that i'm thinking when it's time to go and compete you know it's race day it's like that's the time to give it everything totally yeah monday tuesday wednesday training not every, not not all if any of those are the time to give it everything they're the time to do the right training yeah. based on the you know the program we've got so yeah um there's a really really important point I'm and trying to help out the coaches here yeah, yeah, <laughs> as totally. well. because like you know let's just segue quickly into the importance of recovery Mm. you know like did you know much about how important recovery was when you were a young athlete no (laughs) (laughs) nothing um so just quickly then um if you knew then as a young athlete say 15 what you know now about the importance of recovery and and looking after your well-being and how that relates to performance and enjoyment of sport what advice would you give to, to yourself? I just would have listened to my body more instead of making my body a slave to what I wanted it to, like to try and um, force it to do what I wanted to do because that's what I thought that I had to do to get where I wanted to go. Mm. And I was, you know, so wrong in that aspect like you can you you can force your body for a certain amount of time and you might get something from it once maybe twice um in my um case in particular and then it was just once i started to get injuries and particularly you know bone stress injuries it was just cycle i was just in a pattern of getting injured coming back getting injured again you know i'd have one good one or two good races get injured again yeah Mm. come back one or two good races get injured again for 11 years Mm. it's a long learning curve (laughs) it's a long learning curve but a valuable one because look at you now look at me now (laughs) (laughs) i mean Uh, i have not made it but i've learned a lot and i don't resent or regret um those years i definitely wish that I had have known, I, I wish I had a course like this when I was mm. younger. I yeah. wish I had um, people to come alongside me and say, um, and talk to me about openly about the inner critic mm. and self-talk. Yeah. And that was just not 
a thing. Yeah. Like it was no pain, no gain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shut, shut that voice up yeah. and just run. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, totally. And, you know, I, I didn't learn any of this either. Like it was just, you know, we're, yeah. so we're you, not that you, old I mean, too. you played <laughs> under 20 cricket. For New Zealand, what like what was your experience like? Cricket is like a very, as far as I know, this is an outsider looking in. It's quite an intense sport in terms of the hours that you need to put in. Yeah, um, which is why we pray most days that Sunny doesn't want to play <laughs> cricket or indie. Yeah, um, but she, we already know that she loves soccer. So, um, but what, what was I digress? What was what was it like for you growing up in the um, cricket world? Yeah, look, um, most people probably won't know this because I don't tend to talk about it all that much, is that um, when I was growing up, the only thing I wanted to do was play cricket for Mm. New Zealand. Like, that was everything we just talked about, about being identified with your sport. Like, I wasn't born knowing that. (laughs) (laughs) I've learned that through experience. Yeah. Um, And, you know, like, I was obsessed with that idea and I... I remember actually, like, I was known for always training, you know. Mm. Like, I don't even think I learned to swim that well because I never went to the beach in summer <laughs> because I was always playing or training for cricket. Like, yeah, right. not even kidding. We didn't. And this is, like, no one was pushing me to do this. This was completely on me, just being obsessed. And, you know, I bowled spin and I was like, oh, I want to be the best spin bowler since shame worn like maybe better like you bowl a flipper i had worked on that it's actually quite it's quite hard to bowl but yeah kind of i can't say i bowled it very well but bowl it um and so you know i remember my um i distinctly remember actually this is pretty common experience in my house but um one night about 9 p.m i'm probably 12 years old my brother's got some friends over and they're like hearing this noise outside they're like what's that let's go like what, what's happening outside it's like this banging noise and i'm out there in the dark bolt practicing bowling <laughs> against the cat i can't even see where the ball's going but i was like trying to feel it <laughs> and i'm like what are you doing <laughs> i'm like i oh, just practicing i'm working on this thing like that was that pretty much sums it up and you know like because i put in all the work yeah like i i made all the rep teams growing up until i actually distinctly remember the best thing and the worst thing that happened in my career were the same and that was um when i was under 17s i was playing sort of the state uh, in new zealand the sort of the national state championships I got nine wickets in one game. So I got nine for 32. It was my best ever bowling figures. And I was like, oh, wow, like maybe I can make it, Mm. you know. Um, And I ended up making, like they pick a New Zealand under 17 team. And Mm. so I made that. But they don't play. They just, it's a paper team. They just, you know, here's the team. But yeah, like it's a tournament team. Like you don't actually get to do anything. The next thing's under 19s. And so I'm like, okay, I was in that team. I've just got to like step up to under 19s now and do that. So that was like such a highlight, but it was also a tipping point in the sense that I remember everyone was like, started calling me Ninefa because I got Ninefa. Oh. Talk about big identified. Nickname. Yeah, like some people around there were like, oh, like just, it's just affectionately referring to me as that, but I'm like, 
oh, that feels good, that's cool. But then I never in my life since then bowled as well as that again. Mm. You know, like it was almost like something shifted and it was really difficult to make that next step up. And so, you know, I continued, I didn't actually make the Under-19 World Cup team. I was in the squad um, those next couple of years, but they were really hard because Mm. I'm like, oh, I've just got to stay where, you know, stay where I am and, you know, where I think I am in, in the sort of pecking order. But, um, you know, it was, it was really difficult striving and striving and, and the harder I pushed, the almost further away I got yeah. from it. And um, so, yeah, that was, that was uh, an interesting experience. And it was actually um, when I left school, uh, I started studying psychology because cricket is you know, for myself initially, I'm like, cricket is a game where, and particularly bowling spin, (laughs) I found, and opening the batting, they're two things where you probably have more bad days than good days. Mm -hmm. Like, I I really think that, um, and I'm so grateful to cricket for this, that it taught me two things that I've kind of always carried with me and they've really shaped me and one is um this idea of bouncing back Mm. (laughs) like okay there was a that didn't work out how can what can I learn how can I move forward yeah definitely you just had like I had to learn that because the reality was most times it didn't work out and the other thing it learned me is uh, the other thing I learned from it that I'm really grateful for is this real optimism Mm. of like yep it hasn't worked out for ages but but it can, yeah. <laughs> you know, like what if it does? Yeah, right. And that was something that you know really carried me through it. But um, eventually, I I found that um, I had this sort of pivotal moment when I was pursuing cricket. I was over in England, um, sort of trying to trying to make it through the Premier Leagues over there and and try to get to a sort of professional level. Um, when I was back in New Zealand, and I had some friends go to the Olympics. Um, and the Olympics were in uh, London at the time. They're actually your first Olympics, but we didn't know each other then, yeah, right. so it was pretty, um, pretty cool parallel. But I had these friends go to the Olympics, and to me, they were living the dream. Like they were completely, they were living my dream mm-hmm. in the sense that they were representing their country, and they were at the pinnacle of their sport, and they were still so young. And I was like, oh, they've made it. And then after the Olympics, it sort of transpired that they didn't enjoy it mm. at all. Mm. And then, you know, because I was studying psychology at the time, I was sort of like, you know, trying to help and um, trying to understand, like, wait, to me, that and to the outsider looking in, like, they're completely living the dream. They've, like, achieved their childhood ambition, their goal, and, and like, they didn't enjoy it. Mm. And not only did they not enjoy it, but they found it incredibly stressful and they um, also experienced some sort of depression on the on the um, other, other side, side of it. Of it. Mm. And that was really the catalyst for me to go, wait, like I'm more interested and feel more pulled towards understanding how we can do something about this. Yeah. Like how can we like better prepare people how can sport itself, um, you know, be done in a way that 
equips people to love that experience, mm-hmm. you know, and and to sort of love the journey toward, you know, whatever it is that they want to do as opposed to it sort of spit them out the other side worse for it. And the more I dug into the research on that, I realized that this wasn't a... Um, it wasn't a rare phenomenon, like mm. a lot of athletes were struggling. Yeah. And these are the ones who, you know, had achieved all their goals. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, what are, we must, there's got to be a better way to prepare people and, and to, to help, you know, them go about it in a way where they, they love the process and they really thrive along the way as opposed to putting, you know, all the eggs in that basket of like, when I achieve this, then I'll, then I'll feel fulfilled. Then I'll feel good. Cause, um, that's just not how it works. Mm. Do you think that there's this, uh, idea that you have to sort of not like it to be good? Like, do you think that once upon a time, <laughs> I feel like in my days as an athlete, we went through this period I can't even pinpoint where, when it was and it might like this notion might still be lingering even that like it's just you just got to put up with it mm. like almost and just do it because this is what you're good at and you just got to go and do it because it's the only thing you're good at yeah. <laughs> and, you know and um and not and almost not to enjoy it because if you enjoy it too much, you might not get the result. Yeah. <laughs> this is weird. Yeah, you're, you're hitting a few nerves for me because um, <laughs> because this is what I came up against when I was researching it. I'm mm. like, you know, there are so many um, ideologies in coaching mm. that have just prevailed for decades for no apparent, like no evidence-based reason. Like. Yeah. There is no reason why just pushing through and, and sort of gritting your teeth and not enjoying it is a is good for performance. Like there's, there's just nothing to back that up. Mm. Um, but what there is research around is the fact that, you know, if you are passionate about it and enjoying it, then your performance is likely to be better. Yeah. And, you know, there's things like, you know, the difference between obsessive and harmonious passion. Right. Mm. Like this is something that I didn't learn until I went to a, a, a positive psychology conference in Canada and, and came across the, the original researcher who came up with those, you know, the science of passion mm. and was talking to him in one of his lectures. And I'm like, why didn't I learn this when I was bowling those balls in the dark outside <laughs> when I was like 12? Because that was obsessive passion. Yeah. Obsessive passion is where you feel so identified, like you really value the activity, you feel identified by it and like it's important to you, but the activity's in control. Mm. Like you feel like you have to do it. Otherwise you're not going to feel good. Like you're going to, you need that. Yeah. You need to go and bowl those balls. You're a slave to it. And the alternative harmonious passion is where you value it just as much. Mm. but you actually enjoy it Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you enjoy it because you're in the driver's seat, you're choosing to do it Mm. and you can go, Oh no, I'll bowl those balls tomorrow (laughs) or I'll go for that run next week when, you know, the, 
when it's better for me so that my body can you know heal from this injury (laughs) you know like you're in the driver's seat and the difference between those two is huge for young athletes because you know to your point before we go you've got to be passionate you got to be you got to persevere you've got to just you know push through and and that's important Mm. but are you doing that in a harmonious way or an obsessive way yeah and we've got to know this language we've got to understand the difference the nuance so that we can go oh no yeah no this is harmonious cool Mm. or actually that's getting obsessive let's just let's look at how we can move it to be more harmonious and you know those skills are what set athletes up to actually sustain high performance over the long term and the research is just so clear about how important that is for well-being and performance yeah and you like the key word there is sustain Mm. because every athlete that i've ever known that have has developed those skills to be able to create space between themselves and their sport to go yes this is a good idea that i do you know this today this training or yes this is a great idea that i rest today and do that tomorrow whatever like be flex like have some flexibility into in your training program don't be a slave don't beat your body into submission Mm. Every every athlete that I've known that have developed those skills have like enjoyed a sustainable career. Like mm. the sustainability piece is huge because it's it's something. It's a lifestyle for them. Mm. It's not just um, it, yes, it's a job, and yes, it's um, you know it's what they're really good at. But it's also something that they really really enjoy, and it's their harmonious passion. Mm. Yeah, totally. And like the, that's why I think this is such an important point because it's like if as young athletes you can develop harmonious passion for the sport or the sports that you love to do, but you can also develop harmonious passion for other things in life, then you think about, oh, who am I as a person? And suddenly you've got a balanced identity Mm -hmm. of like, oh, I'm a person who loves to do all of these things yeah and i'm in the driver's seat of it all as opposed to obsessive passion being a slave to that one thing because it gives you your sense of who you are Mm. and then what if that's taken away you know and so this is how i say i can't stress enough how important this is because you know we've all like we've had close experience with people who have been down these respective paths but also the research just shows that like obsessive passion links to burnout it links to injury risk it links to dropping out of the sport Mm. it links to mental illness like all of these things that we would say oh yeah we want to try to avoid that (laughs) well they're all risk factors on that path of obsessive passion yeah and what's harmonious passion linked to? Well-being, high performance, mm. sustained high performance, sustained well-being. Like it's a simple choice, but it's like you know, it's it's something that I think we need to be nurturing. We need to be building, um, you know, intentionally as early as we can. What are the as like as a psychology re- researcher? performance and well-being researcher what are the most important skills to learn 
to develop harmonious passion? Um, some of the stuff we've talked about already around um, your identity. So, mm. like, actually thinking about who you are yep. and who you want to be mm. as opposed to what you do and what you want to achieve. Yeah. Um, so kind of tr- creating that that separation between human being and, and athlete yeah. <laughs> uh, is, is one thing. Um, the other thing that's really important is adding things to your life. So it's, you know, and I think this goes into one of those probably probably myths from the past that can endure that is this idea that you've got to be all in on the thing like you that you've there's no room for other things in your life if you want to be the best mm. and that's just not the case and that you know if you want to build harmonious passion it's actually about exploring multiple passions mm. it's you might love your sport like more than anything but you can still learn to play an instrument or you can still learn that language you might be interested in, or you can still like explore whether you'd like to cook or, you know, like in having a diverse range of interests and passions and, and things that fill you up, you know, things that bring you joy, like that only helps you in the long run, both in terms of your well-being, but then also being able to sustain a high level of performance. Yeah. Um, and you know, navigate the challenges and the setbacks that come along the way with, you know, your chosen, your chosen sport. So, you know, those, those two things is where I'd I'd always like to start with, with people other than just helping them to see the difference between recognizing when they're slipping more toward the obsessive side and when they're slipping, you know, and how they can course correct back more toward the, um, the harmonious side. So, yeah. Yeah. I liked what you said about, finding out who you are and who you want to be because um, that should be the question right not just for young athletes but for everybody it's not it's not what do I want to do it's the more important question is who I want to be on the way to doing what I love to do mm. um, or on the way to doing what I want to do or you know on the way to towards my goal yeah who do I want to be and you know, we had that great, obviously we speak at a lot of schools and we had a great moment at a school last week where we, we asked the young people to identify what their values were and um, and choose two of these values, of these long lists of, of different values um, of who they are when they're at their best. And it was a powerful moment because people... Um, you know, these young people were identifying, oh, this is who I am when I'm at my best. Mm. And when you can do that, when you can truly identify who you are when you're at your best, you then are aware and you find more opportunities to do more of that and Mm. to be more of that. Um, Because that's inherently who you were made to be. Mm, Totally. And like the thing about that, is you substitute you know say sports taken away from you you're injured mm. you can still be that person yeah exactly <laughs> you retire and guess what you can still, you still be, be those things yeah. like it, it transcends it and i think ultimately you know that's one of the great things about sport is it helps us to figure that out mm. you know really like when people you know 
as we've touched on before, like my research has been in originally my research was, was specifically looking at what does it take to maintain well-being and, you know, achieve sustained high performance and at the elite level in sport. And, you know, from that, you know, one of the biggest take home themes that I learned was that sport at its best actually just helps to shape you into the person that you could become. Yeah. Like it helps you to learn what you're all about. Mm. It helps you to test that out because you're challenged and because you, you know, you've got obstacles to overcome and you've got great moments to learn from. And, and really like, I think that's one of the gifts of sport is that totally. it can reveal that to us. Yeah. It's like a testing ground. And, and then you've got that you, if you've got that understanding of yourself, you can take to anything you want to do in life and, whether it's into difficult times mm. and realize like, hey, I've got what it takes to get through this or into, you know, into really um, great opportunities. We're like, oh, here's a new opportunity. I know I've got what it takes to, to um, make the most of this, you know, yeah. and I think so that learning about who we are that comes through sport, I think is, is the real goal. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so grateful for running, teaching me so many, you know, life lef- life lessons that I get to use outside of running. Mm. Um, patience probably being the biggest one of them yeah. now that I've got a three-year-old boy as well. Yeah. <laughs> and practicing it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, exactly. You know, like, yeah. and I think that's so true with, with all of these skills, right? It's like we've got to understand the skills but then actually put them into practice and mm-hmm. really – hone them you know like make them things that we can just count on that like we've refined our ability to utilize that skill yeah one of the most essential skills of high performance and thriving in real rugged challenging unpredictable situations yeah is knowing that you can speak to yourself in a way that's going to help you as opposed to have that inner critic take the wheel and, and take you off course because, mm. you know, and realizing that this is a skill and that confidence is something that can be developed. Yeah. It's not something you get just from achieving mm. because there's a lot of people who have achieved a lot of things that actually don't feel confident. Yeah. And it's because they're not speaking to themselves in a way that sounds like an inner coach talking. Mm-hmm. They've still got that inner critic that is um that is the dominant voice and you know so it actually you know if you want to develop the confidence to know that you can do difficult things and you can adjust and you can um get through any situation and and find a a positive path forward then this is a skill to train yeah and words hold power Mm. like doesn't matter who you are it's words hold power and they have the power to build up or they have the power to break down. And, you know, we want to teach people the skills to, to build themselves up and to have the best experience in mm. their sport and also in life. And, you know, there's not a, a high-performing athlete out there that wouldn't have moments of a loud inner critic, mm. but it's about developing that skill of turning that down, turning the volume of that down and developing the, the inner coach and knowing what to say in those moments that matter. Mm. All right. Well, 
thank you for tuning in to this episode of Marathon State of Mind. Um, you know, if you are a young athlete or you're a parent of a young athlete or a coach of young athletes or working with young athletes, um, we'd love for you to check out our course that we've built, Young Athlete State of Mind. Um, you know, and would love to be on on the team of of you guys and to help you to become all that you could be through you know through your sport to learn the mental skills to help you thrive in life and um, thanks so much see you next time